Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. A fabulous free kick from Leighton Baines. Dawson, oh, what a finish from Ben Dawson. It's 2 0. It's scored by Tim Cahill in injury time for Everton. Matheson, the 16 year old, to Wilbraham, the 40 year old, stunning from Hamis Rodriguez. And here, into Henderson! And Ian Henderson. We're going to talk about Tranmere Rochdale, which was on Saturday. Uh, I managed to meet up with Jimmy and Declan. I was in, I was in the Tranmere end for this one <laughs> because um, Jimmy came in Sandy Lane for the Rochdale Tranmere game. So I thought I, I'll return the same on that. Um, we'll, we'll go to Declan first, actually, on the on the Tranmere side of things. What's your take from the uh, the two nil victory? Yeah, I think um, you know if you're an outsider looking in, um, I'm just having a look at that unnamed app that we were we were referring to at the weekend. <laughs> Everybody's football saving grace, but I've just had a quick glance there, and to be fair, the, the so stats have, have shocked me a little bit. <laughs> oh, at least we're all singing from the same hymn sheet, Jimmy. Um, you know, I'm looking at you know the, the first one, and, and you know stats don't don't win games of football, and I'm sure we're, we're all. Uh, very much in favour of that, you know, bar bar charts and pie charts and whatnot. They don't win games of football, but Rochdale had sixty four percent possession um, over over the course of the game, and I think I, I spoke to to both here at the game on Saturday that the job was done after twenty minutes, um, despite the fact of how much possession Rochdale had. Um, actually, how much possession they had in our final third was was minimal. There were a few chances, you know, in, in the last ten fifteen minutes, which you, you're always going to get if you're defending a two 0 lead at home. You know, and away side are going to come and throw the kitchen sink at you. So there's always going to be a couple of, you know, half chances and so on. But up until that point, we just kind of. I wouldn't even say shut up shop. We 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 were just solid. We defended from the front. Um, I, I think the new lad that, that we've signed, um, Hemmings from Burton. I think he led the line very very well up top. Um, obviously with with Jolly to start and and Nevert, uh, not Nevert, sorry, with um, Foley towards the end. Um, and ne- yeah, Nevert did come on. Uh, <coughs> we 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 led from the front very very well, and I think that's what we've been kind of lacking in the last in the last couple of games. We've left a lot down to the, the defence. Which are proven, um, you know. If you look at the number of clean sheets that we've kept and so on, but I think as a as a unit, as a, as a squad, um, including those players that came on, I think we just defended very very well, and it was more of a defence masterclass as opposed to an attacking masterclass. But at this level, that that wins your games. Um, at the end of the day, you've only got to score one more than the opposition, and and, and we scored two. Mark, obviously, um, it's. It's one of those where Tranmere were in, they're in such great form. Obviously, we're in a bit of a dipping in out of all kinds of different uh, patterns that we spoke about in the last podcast, where we've gone unbeaten in so many, then we lose, and then we can't get a win, and things like that. It's up and down, up and down. Was that a um, was that a result that you had sort of expected? Tranmere away in good form that we couldn't get anything from, or what was your thoughts on the overall game? I don't know if I expected it because I don't know if there's many results I've expected that we've got this season. Um, we said last time 
it's going to be inconsistent all season. New manager, new squad, new board, all that kind of fun stuff. Um, you look in the week before, we'd lost three players who'd been virtual ever-presents all season. Um, I actually don't think Morley would have made a huge difference on Saturday, to be honest. Um, he didn't start against Newport, and look what happened there. Um I think O'Keefe, with that injection of pace um, and just some of the space that he can create, Beasley up top, more mobile, pulling that back line of Tranmere about a bit would have helped. Um, so I, I think we missed those. I think we looked good for 60 minutes. I think we looked good because Tranmere didn't need to try and make us look not good, if that makes sense. They had the lead. They were solid um, doing the as we all like to call it, the dark hearts very well. So they're, they're taking a bit of time for goal kicks, throw-ins, um, little elbows and, and nudges here and there. They did it very, very well. Um, with a more experienced squad that's full of confidence, you're going to get that. We've got a very young squad that's probably just had the stuffing kicked out of them a little bit with those three players leaving and, and not being replaced yet. So I'm not worried on the back of the Tranmere result. Um if we don't bring in a couple of players in the next week or so, I might start to get a little bit nervous. Um, I, I, I think the squad's too good to go down. I think Stockdale's too good a manager to go down. But if we don't bring in players and get a couple more results, it would be very easy for a very young squad to lose its confidence. Um, in terms of building building that squad, Mark... Um, and and Greg, I, I was very very impressed with. There was a young Liam Kelly in the middle, the the small centre mid. Um, he he really got himself involved. Not a standout player in terms of chances created and so on, but he you know he he, he ran ran a good race and you know his passing was fairly successful. Um, he got himself involved both ends of the pitch really. And um, for for me anyway, I think he was your kind of standout player. Um, I don't think you had any, you know, there was there was nobody who had a particularly bad game from what I could see. Um, just you know, decision making and, and so on and so forth, particularly in possession. I think just that little bit of speed. But I think if you can build a, a decent midfield around that Kelly um, and get, you know, a, a, from from what Greg was saying certainly on Saturday, a, a proven goal story in. I think you know you've got the the basis there of a, of a fairly good squad defensively. You, you didn't look too bad at all. Um, we only had three shots on target, which you know, in, in weeks and months gone by there'd be fans kicking off on social media with that go, oh, we've only had three shots, but you know, when you score two of them the outcome's very different. But, you know, if those goals hadn't have been put away, the game probably would have been played differently by us. But um, you know, you you defended very well from the back and um I, I think you you did look fairly solid. I think it's just that couple of little sparks really and as you say, that little bit more experience in the squad that was the difference between the two teams. I don't think it's a coincidence that Kelly's got player of the month for the last two months on the bounce. Um, if we can get a bastard in alongside him in midfield to just keep people away from him and let him do what he needs to do, he will create opportunities for us. Um, I think the midfield too can look a little bit lightweight sometimes, so we need someone to give him that space. And we also signed him from Feyenoord, and I never thought Rochdale would sign a player from Feyenoord, so... Um, <laughs> that was always good over the summer, but defensively is an interesting one. We've brought Downing in on loan from Portsmouth. Um, he isn't a player we'd be able to afford permanently if, if his wages are believed to, to be true, what we've heard. Um, but yeah, he, him coming in will help a lot. 
I hope he isn't there to replace O'Connell, which is what the rumour is online at the minute that O'Connell's off. I think that could hurt us. Um, but a couple more players with Downing's age and experience, and I think we'll be all right. Yeah, I'm just looking at the um, bottom half of the table at the moment, and I have to say, and this is probably going to bite me on the arse coming in the season, but I'm looking at the bottom two going, you're not in any danger. Uh, Scornful up and Oldham, and we can all have a little laugh at Oldham, can't we, guys, right? You know, I know this is the men in blue, but we can laugh at Oldham. Um, I, I, they're, they're both just, I mean, you saw Scunthorpe under Hill the other week, didn't you, Dak? Uh, uh, you know, spanked them 4 0. And Oldham just look like a real. They've got a lot of problems off the pitch, actually. I do feel quite bad for them. There's a lot going on there that the fans don't deserve. But they look like, you know, the two that are going to go. Colchester on 22, Barrow on 26. I think Barrow will be fine. I think it's actually between two or three. And to be fair, Scunthorpe, 19 points. Oldham with a game in hand um, on 18. You know, you guys are sat up, well, 18th on 27. I think you'll be fine. And I know what you mean. I can understand if you if you don't replace certain players, you start to panic. But I think the bottom of League 2, as we find year on, year in, year out, bottom of League 2 is that poor every season that... You know, there's a reason why National League clubs come up and stay up and thrive in, the, in League 2 because the bottom end is so bad at times. And I think you'll be absolutely fine. It won't be an amazing season, I don't think, but I think you've got more than enough to push on and finish comfortable mid-table, definitely, even at the moment, because it's... Go on. Talking of stuff... Talking of stuff biting us on the arse when we're saying it on a podcast, um, I, I genuinely think we're probably two or three signings away from being mm. a very good side, I think. The experience that Stockdale's probably got in the first half of the season in terms of who does what, when to change things, stuff like that. Um, there is one team, generally every season, that sat roughly where we are, that goes on a fantastic run and finishes in or just outside the playoffs. And with the right two or three bodies, we could be that team because you look at our results against the top six or seven and generally they're very, very good. Um it might be blind optimism on my part. And, and I said last time, based on the off the field stuff, if we finish 22nd and we've got a club, I'd be happy. Um, but get O'Keefe, get a goal scorer and get someone to sit alongside Kelly. We'd give any team in this division a match. I, I genuinely believe that. Just a quick question, actually, for Deck. Um, so, so obviously, you, you might have seen that... Um, that Dale sold their top goal scorer Beasley, he went to Blackpool and that obviously happened before the Tranmere game. Do you think that's something that obviously Tranmere being in good form and then knowing that Rochdale have sold their uh, top goal scorer, do you think that might have been something where they're rubbing the hands together possibly and you thought, well, we're in good form and they haven't got the goal scorer? Is that something that may have been considered? Yeah, I think um, I, th- I think you, you know to, to an extent you could be right there. I think... You know, we all know ourselves. Whenever you play a team who are, you know, a little bit down in the dumps, whether it's something like that that's happened, you know, in terms of the squad or you know a change in manager or you know the likes of Oldham when the fans are rebelling against the owners and so on, um, any team in the right mind will be using that as a catalyst and definitely using it to their own um, advantage. But I think what we did on Saturday, so not really to take away from our kind of performance, I think that does play a part. Um, definitely, but I think what we did is is we we allowed um, ourselves to play what we played to our own strength basically, and I think that's what we've been crying out for 
basically since Mellon left, um, you know, a couple of seasons ago, whereby we were getting bullied by teams and they would they would come into Brenton Park and telling us how to play. And I think, you know, as Mark was saying there earlier on, you know, the, the very kind of clever game management, uh, not not to the extent of a, a Forest Green side or a, a Notts County in years gone by, um, by any stretch of the imagination, but just being that little bit more savvy about League Two football, particularly with, you know, the likes of Spear and the likes of Clark. They do get in the referee's face, not every two seconds, but when it counts or when we're under that little bit of pressure and just, you know, bide yourself those couple of seconds. But I think you are right. Um, you know, playing playing a team when they're maybe not in the right mental space or, you know, that, that team cohesion may have dipped a little bit, will have played into our hands. But I think what we did on Saturday um, was, was very, very good. I mean, going back a little bit there to what Mark was saying as well in terms of you know, Rochdale being two or three signings away from being a very good side. I think that kind of um echoed what we was what we were saying on Saturday as well. Um Rochdale have always been a side that not necessarily that I've I've looked out for, but always thought that, you know, they're they're a genuine side. Um, you know, they're they're quite a, a well run club, a good little fan base and so on. Um in, in many respects similar to us. And I think if we went all the way back to, to twenty nineteen, I think it was one of our first games after we'd come back into the league. Um and we were beaten three two at home by Rochdale. We got two very, very late goals. I think it was a eighty ninth minute own goal and a ninetieth minute equaliser. I think Connor Jennings got a goal that day. Um but we were you know, we were lucky to get those two goals come the end of the end of the game and, and we were totally outplayed. And I think with all due respect to Rochdale, I think when we came back up, Rochdale were one of the, the smaller, in inverted commas, teams at that stage. Um, and I think, you know, that kind of showed us how much league football had moved on from when we kind of, I say been away, it sounds like we'd, we'd been imprisoned on a little bit of time, but Sound from like being out of the league. Um, and I think, you know, <laughs> it was worse, mate. Um, but I think, you know, seeing how we played on Saturday against a a Rochdale side who set up in a similar way, very possession-based um, kind of approach to games and so on. I think that was reassuring for us to see how far we'd come as well. But going back to your original point, Greg, I think um, I think we did definitely use that to our own advantage. Um, if you are looking for a centre-forward, by the way, um, there is a very good one going at Tram at the moment, uh, Manuel Desarube. Um I, I can't recommend him highly enough. Salford City legend, stint at Oldham. I can see Dax trying to keep a straight face. I could actually say don't sign him. Um, why on earth we got him? As as his yeah. agent, as his agent, I can yeah. set up a deal for yeah. what? What do you reckon, welcome Jimmy? Eight to, and a half welcome, million. Welcome to the Emmanuel Disarube podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, don't don't do it. He's terrible. It's like George Donnelly over again. Ah, uh, George Donnelly. Right. We 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 briefly spoke about him. Yeah, sorry, go on. Pay will take it away. Christ, George Donnelly. Um, a quick question for Mark. Actually, I'm bouncing around the tram here. The Rochdale game. What what kind of? Obviously, we we know we've sold a few players. We've sold Beasley. We've sold Morley. They could possibly be selling somebody else. Not too sure yet. January's not over. Um, what kind What kind of game plan do you think we went in that tram game with? You know, obviously the top goal scorer. He's not there. Uh, we're shuffling the deck a little bit. Um, they've not got many injuries, so what do you think we? Where could we have? Where did we go wrong, basically? Uh, I think we can't count out the fact that it was 28 days since we'd last played a game of football. Yeah. Um, so that first 10-15 minutes 
we went onto the pitch and we just like it was rabbit in headlights time we just were not up to speed so even if we'd had a full week's training it's not match fitness as we all know um so i don't think that can that can be discounted um I, I like Beasley and I'm really glad he got his shot um, at, at the championship. But I, I don't think he's going to be a, a massive loss if we get someone who can score a few. Um, you look at, it might take him 10 shots to score a goal. So it, if with Beasley out of the side, we create 30% less chances because we've lost his running, but we create ten, uh, we score 10% more of the ones we do create, actually net net will score more goals than we were doing at the start of the season so as long as we can get that natural finisher i think that will help um where we went wrong is probably broadbent is definitely not a right wing back um i'm as much of a right wing back as broadbent is i think it's just not his position um so i think where we probably went wrong is trying to play the same system the same tactics and the same pace without Beasley and O'Keefe in the squad. I think there could have been something maybe formation-wise just to give a bit more impetus further up on the right-hand side um, and that would have helped. But I I don't know. I don't think Stockdale's put too many feet wrong so far this season. Um, I think he did on Saturday what he could do after a four-week break with the squad that we had available. And Tranmere were a very, very good side, as they were when we played them earlier in the season. Also, I think sometimes what you're talking about with in terms of um, shots on target and something that we spoke about in the last podcast about like expected goals and XG is more than uh, total football under Keith Hill and things like that from a couple of years ago. If you look at how Tranmere went about their business, they didn't particularly need to uh, have 15 chances. They were so clinical that maybe, obviously talking about Beasley with he needs 10 chances to get one and things like that, and maybe it is the case that we just try and get someone a bit sharper that can probably, you know, needs less chances. Tramia didn't need that many chances, you know, and they were they had the cushion in their 15 minutes. So sometimes, do we do we look too much into XG, do you think, Mark, a little bit? Because obviously Tramia managed, managed to do the job, didn't they? Tramia didn't really need to have that many uh, shots on target. XG is a great thing for people, I think, who are into like football manager and, and stuff like that. Um, I, I don't think it makes sense. I think if you look at expected goals, you look at how many games you've played, how many goals you've scored and divide them into each other. And that gives you roughly how many you score in a match. That's how many you would expect. Um, shots on target can be anything from if your keeper's on the halfway line and smacks it up in the general direction of the net in the 94th minute, that can count as a shot on target. For me, XG is it looks mint, and it make it reassures Rochdale fans that we're not that bad at times. Um, but I don't think it's a real stat. I think if you look at if you've played twenty games and scored ten goals, you're expecting to score half a goal a match. That that is how I would look at it. Maybe a bit yeah. old school, but no, you can stat paddle you want with stuff like that. With the XG thing, like having shots in the halfway line, the ninety first minute, and whatnot. But at the end of the day, if you're expected to score two point what two point five goals in a game. Well, no team ever scores two and a half. You can't score half a goal. So it's it's all very well and good having these lovely little statistics and these little graphs and going down the Graham Potter route of just being XG merchants. But again, like we saw with, for example, Brighton last season, you could have the highest XG all you want. If you don't put the ball in the back of the net, it's absolutely meaningless. 
look at BBM. We were regularly getting tonked 4 0 with 70% possession. Um, we had players completing the most accurate passes or the most forward passes. That's great, but if it's a defender and a central midfielder just passing it back to each other eight times with nothing else going on, what's the point? Um, yeah, I think stats can be used to. Yeah, it's what I like. It's like the Joe Allen syndrome, whereby you know you can get a hundred percent passing, but literally all you've done is pass the ball five yards sideways a few times. You know, it's he, he, you know, very good player, but he's made a career out of that. You know, as of so many Barcelona midfielders in the nicest possible way. Actually, that's doing them a bit of a disservice, but you know. And I do wonder sometimes, and I, I've seen it at Rochdale with a couple of players who will remain nameless, but I do wonder if players sometimes pick an option that is a better stat than it is to progress the flow of the game. So we saw at the start of the season a couple of players that we had who were getting absolutely like hero-worshipped online on social media, and you could see after a couple of games they were doing passes and moves that would go down well on social media but probably weren't the right choice in the game. And I do wonder sometimes if players, particularly if they're looking at a move, pick those passes to get the stat levels up rather than think actually what's going to get us the best Yeah, because I think forward. players in the game are obviously showing their stats, how far they've ran, they've got all these different statistics and you're more likely to play it safe if you know you're going to have those stats thrown at you at the end of the game. You know, you're going to maybe put an extra few miles, an extra few metres in, what have you, to try and get your running stats up, but you're always going to play that sideways ball, play it more safe, play it back, knock it around the back, and also the impetus as well. It seems to pass it around the back these days far more than ever. When you forget, it's League 2 football in the nicest possible way. You pass it around the back, what's going to happen? Someone's going to make a mistake, or big centre forward's going to come in, as we saw on Saturday. Well, Charlie Jolly came in and, and did the business, so it's... Yeah, you can only play to stats so much, I think. I think the running stats an interesting one because if you're getting praised by the gaffer or by your fans for running the most, imagine you're a right back in a 4-4-2. You're probably actually being praised for being out of position and you're having to run more to recover. Um, yeah, not a big fan of stats. Uh... <laughs> To, to kind of contradict that, uh, one, I'm just again having a little look through uh, through FOTMOB, but um, one that's been quite well publicised is a number of clean sheets that we've kept, and I think that comes back to what you're saying there, Mark and, and Jimmy and Greg and so on. That you know the, the number of shots and the number of goals and stuff. I've just, I mean, very very quickly just looked through. I think seven of our league wins this year have been a one nil or a two. What you know, a, a game within one goal. Um, and to, to be keeping 14 clean sheets at this stage of the season there was a, a stat on Twitter the other day that there's only Man City in England who've kept more clean sheets um, and they've actually played uh, sorry yeah they, and, and we've played um, less games than them um, so obviously we, we've got you know time, time to almost make that back up but I think again that reflects the, the kind of not just the standard of football, but the quality of football. You know, teams don't get you get you get the odd three nil and four nil and five one and whatever at this level. But all of these games are very very tight margins, and I think it's important to remember that you know on the day anyone at our league can beat anyone. I think you know if we hadn't have come out and got an early goal against Rochdale and Rochdale had a couple of chances early on on Saturday. Um, you know, I'm not not saying that we wouldn't have won or at least got a, a point from the game, but it, it wouldn't have been as kind of comfortable as it was. And, and even with sort of five ten minutes to go, I was saying both to Jimmy and to Greg that you know we were starting to get a little bit nervy. Um, and you know, had had one of those chances gone in, 
I think you know we, we could be sitting here talking about a, a potential draw. You know, with another five minutes or so of the game, um, the game to go. And I think that that proves the point there. So fourteen clean sheets this season. If you look at expected goals against as a stat from Saturday, it was probably something like two or three because we had twelve shots against keeper. Doesn't matter. The stat that matters is the clean sheet one. Um, so yeah, I think it's a really good point. And again, it shows certain stats can be manipulated. Rochdale have scored thirty goals this season. Tramway have scored twenty-seven. So you've actually scored more goals than us. But there's, you know, what is it? Sixteen places between the sides in the league. That is absolutely crazy. When you think that shows again the importance of having a solid defence. Is that you, you know what is it? Goals win games. Defences win championships. Now I'm not suggesting we're going to overtake Forest Green. Jesus Christ, I'm, it's not the Tramway away. The Tramway away is just scraping playoffs in the final day, if at all. But, you know, it, it shows the importance of building from that back and having a solid defence line first. Being a bit boring, the odd 1-0 and progressing from there. I think uh, going on from what you were saying there, Jimmy, um, and you've hit the nail on the head, it was almost like I had my, my phone booked on Saturday night. Um, we look back again towards the start of the season when Mellon came back, and obviously that you know kind of fairy tale thing for us as fans, you know that the Messiah's returned almost. And it, when he did initially return, our our start of the season was average at best. We went on a very very poor run of form. Um, I think within that, I think that's that was the, the Rochdale defeat when Murphy got um, injured with the concussion and so on in the second half, and there was a, a slight change in, in form. But all of those games were were very very tight. It was the occasional one goal or whatever that, that was letting us down. And as we were saying, fine margins. And as you've just said, there it, it is all about building from the back. And I think since the defence has been, and you know there will be blips between now and the end of the season. We're not under any kind of illusion that we're going to go on and keep you know twenty five clean sheets. That's not going to happen, and I think what will be interesting is to see the reaction when that does start to change a little bit, and whether or not the the front men that we've got in the side are capable of of kind of pulling us through that. Um, but I, th- I think you, you have you've hit the nail on the head there. Mellon always has. I mean, even even non-league when we were you know brushing some teams aside by three or four goals with the likes of Norwood and Cook and so on, we were very very lucky to have players of that calibre at that level. But there were games where it, it was a lot tighter than that, and it was all about keeping the clean sheets. And as you say, you've only got to go and score one. Um, and you know wh- when you've got players like that in the side, and you know if you look at. Our squad this season, I mean, we, we've just signed um, Hemming from Burton, but up until then, and take Maynard out of the, the uh, situation, Nicky Maynard, because he, he hasn't really ever had a, a full run in the squad. He scored a couple of goals in the you know the pizza trophy, um, and obviously he, he got a goal there the other, the other week against Stuntorp before, um, obviously, the, the injury that, by the looks of it, has finished this season. Um, but take him out of the equation. We've not had a proven goal scorer. The most you know experienced striker is Manny. Um, up up until that point, which is <laughs> a huge concern. Um, you know, Elliot Nevitt's come from something like the twelfth or eighth or twelfth division um, from Warrington Rylands. You know, a proven goal scorer at that level, he could bang goals in for fun. But you know, th- there was a thing there the other day. He's lost a stone and a half in weight. Um, in the last couple of months, that shows you know the change in terms of standard and level of football that he's playing. And at the start of it, I was listening to your your podcast from when we played uh, Rochdale away towards the start of it, or mid, you know, certainly the first third of the season. And he did look a little bit like a fish out of water, but the effort was always there with him. And he he is just starting to, to show he scored an absolute wonder goal um, against Stuntorp last week. Um, 
and again uh, Charlie Jolly I think I think a, a little shout out needs to be to be towards him he's another one he's come obviously you know he's, he's a little bit more professional in terms of his background he's come up through the ranks at Wigan um, and he if anything was probably the only positive that came out of the Keith Hill reign um, he he was signed by Keith Hill very much as a prospect for the future I think he was signed in the January window I could be wrong in that in saying that but he was signed and then pretty much disappeared and when James Vaughan got injured towards the end of last season we were crying out for a goal scorer people were looking at his stats and so on from Wigan thinking you know why is he not involved and he obviously wasn't ready um, I think it's been quite well publicised he was basically cleaning people's boots at, at the training ground and was very much taken on almost as a, a YTS like a, a youth stroller um, and to be fair to him he, he's gone out on loan at the start of the season to Chester knocked a couple of goals in there Mellons took a risk bringing him back in with injuries and, and COVID and so on um, got an 89th minute winner away at Oldham uh, we, we go back to, to that struggling side um, and, and since then he's not looked back he looks like a well established League 2 slash League 1 striker um, some very very intelligent play we were saying on Saturday a couple of um, you know turns and so on in the box that, that you would expect from you know your proven 32, 33 year old 20 goals a season striker um, yeah Just a quick one for Mark, actually. Um, obviously, just looking at the lineup for Rochdale, obviously we can keep analysing and looking over things and things like that. It's obviously it's only one game, but obviously going forward, um, I'm just looking at some of the players that started. Like, do do we want to see more from some of these players? Obviously, we're looking at Grant. Um, he he was quite promising last season. I think he scored one or two possibly, and there were a few things that we saw in him and we thought, oh, if he can, you know, if we can improve his overall game or things like that. Going forward, do we need to see a bit more from some of them, do you think? Um, I, I actually think Grant, apart from maybe the last 15, 20 minutes on Saturday, was brilliant. Um, I think every game that he's played by one or two this season, he's come in and caused problems. Um, he, he's tricky and the ball sticks to him. And we haven't really got many players like that, to be honest. Um, so I don't think necessarily with him. Um, I think we need to find a way of playing that allows players to play to their potential rather than expecting more from them. So like I said with Kelly, um, we saw at Hartlepool, they put two people on him, nullified him completely. And the game was lost. Like We, we looked awful without that. Um so I think it's more being clever with what we've got. Um, it was interesting to watch on Saturday some of the younger players, Downing and O'Connell, were proactively coaching the younger players throughout the game. Um, before Saturday, it had mainly been O'Connell screaming his head off at them, whereas actually they were, they were genuinely coaching throughout the game. And interestingly, I think O'Connell stepped up his captaincy game on Saturday. So when the second goal went in, he called a huddle, got the players together again and it had a noticeable impact. I've not seen him do that before. So maybe someone with experience and talent alongside him is going to push him to be better as well. Um, so no, I don't think it's getting more out of the players we've got because I think there's, a, there's an understanding as a fan base that it's a very young and experienced squad. I think it's more the team helping the team to be better rather than individuals needing to step up and do a bit more. I think that's spot on. Actually, it's um, it's obviously we we are sort of near the bottom. Obviously, 
a few of you said that we they look quite good in a few games and things like that, and we just need a few players sort of um, to kick on and get halfway up the league and things like that. Obviously, Jimmy mentioned Scunthorpe and Oldham. They're not looking great down there. And Colchester, I don't think they're in a, a great position. I think they're having a lot of problems with the owner, aren't they? I've seen a few tweets where he's coming out and saying it's he's, he's having a go at the fans and things like that. Half of me sort of looks at the bottom. I know, cause I know obviously we are top bottom six, seven or whatever, but I'm sort of looking down there. You know, I'm thinking, crikey, it's a good job some of these are tripping up. Um, but should we be really, Mark? Obviously, you look at other teams like, say, Sunderland. It took, it's took them a while to go back up, and well, obviously they're still in the League One. They've been there for a while. Could it be the case that we, the longer we stay in this division, we could be in it for a while, or like like a Sunderland in League One? Obviously, I'm not comparing us to that. I'm just saying the situation. That, that was a very one. Michael Owen quote there, Greg. The longer we're here, we'll be here a while. <laughs> he <bloody laughs> very <wasn't>. Michael Owen. <laughs> um, I think. Um, this season was always going to be a season of consolidation, right? So off the field stuff that that's still going on, um, unfortunately still rumbling on and, and it's quite difficult. Um, new manager, new squad with a lot of players who aren't actually our players. Um, so I'll say it again, finishing 22nd with the club being right, I would take. Um, we, we've supported the club long enough to know that it was the Rochdale division, wasn't it? I think it was 36 years we were in. League Two. Um, I think it was touching 40, wasn't it? I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, it's probably our natural level. You look at our crowds and our budget, bottom half of League Two, let's be honest. Um, we've been spoiled over the last 10 years, is what I would say, with League One. But that doesn't mean our aspiration can't be to get back there. I think we need to do it in the Rochdale way, which is build a squad that we can afford with players that we can turn into saleable assets play football the right way and go up at the right time, not overspend with money we don't have to, to chase it quickly. Um, and you know what? If it takes us four or five years, but we're playing good football with a team of players who give a shit and off the field stuff, the club feels like our club again. I'd be all right with that, to be honest. Um, I just want to be in a position this time next year where I'm looking forward to going to Scotland on a Saturday. We're going to see a good game. Decent atmosphere, the club's safe, and we've got something to look forward to for the rest of the season. If we have that, I would be very, very happy. I think, um, obviously, you know, we are opposite ends of the table, Mark, but I think what you've said there rings true for, for me as well. That, um, it is so, so important at this level that clubs are run in the, in the correct manner. Um, you know, we—I I don't think we can complain with our owners. There's been a, a complete turnaround. We've been—we've gone from losing millions of pounds a season to breaking even and even and now making money. And you know, the number of community assets and so on. And I think that was—it was a conversation that I was having actually with a, a fella behind me at half time on Saturday. That if we do go up this season, which you know, there's there's a chance that that could happen. In order for us to compete seriously, and by compete, I mean basically survive in League One. There's got to be some kind of investment, whether that's third party, whether that's because the the gap between lead one and lead two is starting to grow. And I think we were um, subject to that a little bit. Um, obviously, the, the season that was curtailed and obviously we were demoted on, on PPG. 
Um, I, th- I think we realised that a little bit when we were up there. We started to get a good grasp on it, and I think we probably would have been all right and survived. Um, but it, it certainly wasn't the League One football that we were used to going back, say, five or six seasons since we were relegated from that. Um, but I think you are right. It's all about you know being able to go, enjoy watching the football, seeing good good football happening, and and as you say, players that actually care about the the name on the front of the shirt and not not the name on the back because we've we've had enough of those over the years. So I think as you say, it's important regardless of where where we are in the table um, that, that that is the case. That you know ultimately what what matters is is that we have a club that we enjoy going to watch on a Saturday or a Tuesday night, and that we don't turn into. You know your berries of the world who persistently overspent. Um, I think they were done over a little bit by by the um, the, the EFL a little bit in terms of the the, um, the the management of who was taking them over. You know you look at the likes of Oldham. Oldham are in a, a very very similar position. Yet yeah, they've had a, a bad few seasons, but you know they've they've spent out on some players that you know over the last few years that, that they've had there. Um, his, his name leaves me now. The, the lad from Fylde who is now at Chesterfield. Can't think of his name. Danny Rowe. I'm completely blank. Striker, Danny Rowe. You know, you, you look at that kind of caliber player that they've obviously gone out and paid good money for, and within three or four months, I think he, he left and went to Bradford. You know, you, you look at that, and they are they're putting money into squads that they just haven't got. Now they haven't got a particularly good side this year, um, which I think is is proven by the, the table. But you know, we we don't want to turn into clubs like that. Um, I think Rochdale and Tranmere are very very similar in that that we do seem to be quite well run and I think we're quite confident that you know in another 10 years time regardless of what level we're at we will have a club to go and support and it's an interesting point on that investment if you do go up because I don't think that like when we went up and we did I think it was seven years in league one consecutively we didn't plough a load of money into it we, we carried on doing it our way on a bigger scale you look at championship to, to premiership and, and vice versa I think I'd much rather be a Bournemouth a Fulham a Norwich, spending money we've got, go up, have a crack at it. If we go back down, we're not going bankrupt and we have another crack the following season rather than you look at the likes of Leeds who are down there for ages, um, Reading, Derby, probably pertinent examples, Bolton, Wigan, all got promoted, spent money they didn't have, which doesn't guarantee success as we know, and now look at them. Um, Yeah, I I think it's important and I think... You look at some of the stuff that's in the press at the minute, obviously I'm a bit of an advocate for fair game for obvious reasons, but around sustainability and stuff like that, it feels like there's a bit of a a change coming in football. I think more people are opening their eyes to we need to protect these clubs more than we need to chase the dream of getting promoted at all costs. Yeah, I, th- I think a prime example of that as well, a, a little bit more kind of relatable to us. I mean, I suppose you know the likes of Bournemouth and so on, they were at our level not that long ago. Um, but if you look at the likes of Yeovil as well, who were up in the Championship and now you know nowhere to be seen and, and not looking likely for any kind of return anytime soon. I mean, infrastructure of the club and stuff a little bit smaller than us, a little bit smaller than Rochdale, but you know certainly a, a relatable side. And I think that, as you were saying before, that kind of consolidation and, and bringing together kind of season is often needed. I think between our promotion from um, the National League back to League Two and then the, obviously the back-to-back promotion obviously as a fan absolutely fantastic and a club is never going to say no to a promotion for the revenue that it brings in but I think we could have you know in hindsight not want to take away the memories of, of Wembley and obviously another successful season but I think a, a season pushing at the top of League Two and starting to you know 
a little bit more attention drawn to us and then push again I think that probably would have stood us in slightly better stead than, than going up and then obviously being demoted um, obviously losing you know, some of your key players like to Norwood to Ipswich and so on didn't help um, but I think that kind of year where we could have come up and started to build as you say use that promotion money um, to, to build a slightly more sustainable squad I think it would have, have stood us in, in slightly better um, move, moving forward it's interesting you mentioned Yeovil have always had a soft spot for them because we were their first ever football league match at Scotland. Um, so, yeah, I always remember that. It was a great day, boiling weather, and the fans were absolutely brilliant. So I always kept an eye out for their results after that. Was that around 2003, 2004, something like that? Uh, it will have been because it was the likes of, I think, Daryl Burgess and team that, oh, that were playing for us at the time. Just, just, gosh, I think they had... Um... Was it John Terry's brother? Yeah, sorry. Speaking of like clubs that have gone to the abyss, I think Southampton United, currently nineteenth uh, in the National League, they were Championship League One. They had back-to-back relegations from League One straight down, which we know what that feels like. Um, and it's not about necessarily how far you fall, but how well you bounce back. And well, Southampton just happens. Like I said, the seven points with the relegation zone, and you look at the off the off-field issues that have gone with the owners there as well. And it's, it goes to show there's so many examples of clubs that have dropped from second and third division right out the league. Your Stockport, your Torquays. You know, obviously we know what's happening with Wrexham at the moment, but, you know, that's just a bizarre situation there. But it's so, so easy to get ideas and plough money into a club that it's just not there. It doesn't go quite right. And dropping down the divisions, it's so easy to end up happening. It can happen to any club, um, as we've seen. But I just think... Highlight you obviously mentioned Yeovil, but South End are absolutely dumped the fire at the moment, it seems, on off the pitch. Yeah, I think um, what you're saying there with Wrexham, they're, they're very, very, very lucky in terms of the situation that they find themselves in. Um, again, from a Tramia's fan uh, point of view, the investment couldn't have gone to a worse club or a more disliked club. Um, that's you know, nothing to do with the fans, just you know, a little bit of uh, local rivalry. But um, I think they were probably only another maybe one or two years in that division without investment um, before they, they would probably be looking over the shoulder at the trapdoor into National League North. Um, I think they've been in there for a can't think of the number of seasons off the top of my head, I think but it's a considerable number. Now, you know. um, probably pushing. Yeah, yeah, and you know some seasons are up and around there, and then they always seem to just um, just drop off. Going back to the South End point that you've just made there as well, Jimmy, I've just had a little look on um, odds checker for the next Everton manager, um, and you'll be pleased to know that Sol Campbell is currently sixty six to one. So that that could be a positive for you. <laughs> you see, we wanted one of the golden generation <laughs> managing the, t- the club. Sol Campbell, that's the one you want. Hey, tell you what though. I mean, His job all, at Macclesfield. Yeah. Look at Macclesfield are now. He did a cracking job there, to be fair. Yeah, he has. I think Southend again. That kind of poison chalice. Big name going into a, a, a you know failing side. No financial backing. No transfer window. No nothing. Um, it was it was never going to work for him. And just to take it back to the Premiership a minute, as we're talking about investment, I just had a quick check because I read something earlier in the week. You look at Chelsea, so their investment, they are now in debt to Roman Abramovich to the tune of $1.51 billion. Um, when he pulls out of there, <laughs> I mean, they could be non-league quite quickly, like £1.51 billion 
it's ridiculous. So even at that level, you're seeing people spending unsustainable amounts of money to try and get where they want to be. How are they still functioning as a club? I mean, obviously it's Chelsea. We know that they won the Champions League. Big profile, big club, big players. Well, How is that even Bar- possible? Barcelona directors loans in it. Everything that he's putting. Barcelona couldn't back. afford Barcelona. to keep Lionel Messi because they'd spent that much and. With the pandemic, everyone's overspent for a situation that they never saw coming. But it is ridiculous how unsustainable football as a whole has become. Really. I mean, it's interesting, the Barcelona one, there's a player, and I'm rubbish with Spanish league, so you'll have to bear with me, um, who Barcelona have just signed someone from City and Med, but I might be wrong. And they couldn't register him because of the the pay cap that they had. So they've offered a player that they wanted to get rid of an extended contract to five years on less wages, so they had more wages to pay Tor. It's just it's it's just it's madness, isn't it? I think we we obviously talking about the financial fair play and some of the you know the smaller clubs or the lesser known clubs outside of the Premiership who've who've gone bust or have, have gone into the abyss. And it could be a very kind of unpopular or um, controversial opinion, but is it going to take for one of these big, you know, your big kind of named, almost, I'm going to use the term brands because that's what they are, is it going to take for one of those to fall from grace before something serious is done? Um, you know, some some people who are, you know, certainly in, in Merseyside, you know, your Liverpool and Everton fans, when a Tranmere fan will pipe up and say something like this, and they'll be, oh, you're bitter, you're jealous, you're this, that and the other. But, you know, is it going to get to a point where smaller teams like us are noticed on merit for how, how we're being run? Um, and that these big clubs who can just go and throw ridiculous sums of money at infrastructure, at, you know, advertising abroad, at, you know, at transfers and so on, because people are always going to pay it. People are always going to pay the Sky, BT, Amazon Prime subscriptions and are basically funding this happening. And I think, you know, when it's never going to happen none of these teams are ever going to go bust because they're, they're too important to the, for the likes of you know the, the English game and, and the, the, the European game but is it going to take for one of those clubs to come into serious kind of disarray and, and even just drop out of the Premiership for a season you know the likes of as you say in Ch- say like Chelsea and they get something like a 30 point deduction and, and drop out for a season is it going to take something like that not necessarily to go bust but is it going to take a, a big change um at some stage in, in the, the coming years. Personally, I think we should just um, give a 30-point deduction to all the six breakaway clubs of the European Super League. I I, I don't see the Agreed. problem with that. I think just let them, let them battle. I, I think do it now so Everton don't go down, right? Um, give Norwich and Watford a chance. to Actually, you know what? If you gave a 30-point deduction to City, they'd probably still stay up with the current form they're in. Probably still win um, the league. <laughs> They're still in the league, yeah. There's still some drop anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's it. Oh no, yeah, I agree. I think it will come down to uh, it will burst somewhat eventually. Uh, maybe not as dramatically as people think, but it will come to a point where a big, a big sort of established club, it maybe not the City or Chelsea club, but like a Tottenham possibly, or they run quite well. But who knows? You know, a, a more established name. But then we've seen the likes of Aston Villa go down. We've seen. Huge names like I alluded to earlier go down, and no one's cottoned on that. Yes, all the TV money and the, you know all the other rights that come into it, and the infrastructure these clubs have got now. You know, Man City's massive stadium with their youth facilities and all that that help them become more sustainable, and and Chelsea have got other sustain things that help them. You know, run in accordance to certain regulations. It would appear, although they're in absolute billions of debt. 
I think it will come down to one of those clubs just going down for a year or two. I, I hope it does. I genuinely hope it happens, you know, without sounding horrible, because it can't carry on the way it's going in the interests of not just six clubs, but, you know, 100-plus professional clubs and semi-pro clubs in this country. And sorry to bounce around a bit, but breaking news this evening on something we've just been talking about, uh, Colchester have sacked their manager and assistant manager this evening whilst we've been recording. Crikey. I mean, we were. Um, I've seen a lot of things on Twitter that their chairman, owner, is having a go at fans saying it's his club and not the fans' club and things like yeah. that. Yeah. I don't think that's something you can... Uh, be uh, be saying two fans. So I f- who who was the because we had a look. We can touch on that actually. We should have played Colchester the other week, shouldn't we, Mark? And it got called off within fifteen twenty minutes before the game. So all the Dale fans yeah, travelled on it. All the Dale fans travelled one hundred and seventy five mile to Colchester away, and for one way or another, I don't know if I, if I can't put a finger on it, but the de- the game didn't go ahead. Um, it's, it's it's a frustrating thing when it's so close to kick-off and obviously fans travel and it's money and it's time and everything and obviously the Dale players travelling or hotels or things like that. I do know a few Dale fans that had to get hotels near London for that, which uh, they wouldn't have got the refund and things like that. Now I'm gonna, it's it's uh, Mark and Dave Taylor. People probably won't know who they are, but a few Dale fans will do. But they were saying that obviously they said, oh, we've got a hotel there for later on and things like that, and then bang, it got called off within 20 minutes. Did you see, you saw, obviously you read and saw about that, Mark. Is that something that Colchester could have prevented? Do you think they did their utmost to try and get that game or Or is it easy to say, you know, oh, they didn't want to play us or what, what you know? Um, I, I think their fans and people in the local area were frustrated that they didn't put rain covers on when it was forecast heavy rain overnight the night before. Um I mean, that's just, in my mind, that's not acceptable. We can't talk because as Dale fans, we had pretty much a full winter postponed a few years ago, if you remember. Um, But yeah, I think they could have maybe done more earlier on. You look at what happened at Barrow. So when when I rocked up at Barrow away a couple of months ago, they had a big puddle in the middle of the pitch and there was literally a bloke there with a Henry Hoover hoovering water up off the middle of the pitch to get the game on. Um, And it's like, they did everything they could. They delayed the kickoff, whatever, to, to get it on. Could Colchester have done more? Maybe. I think that's probably even more frustrating than you look at what happened at Forest Green last night, where it was misty. Referee said we'd start playing, and then after four minutes, it got called off. Um, at least they made an attempt to start it. But yeah, d- disappointed for those that travelled, and it's now a Tuesday night match. Um, so I think we've got Tuesday at Colchester, Saturday at home. And then the following Tuesday at Forest Green, that's some travelling for the squad and the fans in February. I think uh, the worst case of that that I've ever come across, luckily I didn't travel, was back in our uh, conference days with um, Dover. And there was actually a a local uh, policeman, postman, who walked from the Wirral to Dover to raise money for charity. It took him, say, 10 days or so. And he got within two miles of the club. The club had tweeted all day saying that the game would be on. It was never in doubt. And they called the game off an hour and 15 minutes before kick-off. so luckily he got a, a lift back on the, uh, the the team first team coach, but Dover have a, a track record. I think they did something similar with Notts County the weekend before last, 
um, that there are definitely some sides who uh, can play the dark arts in terms of ground management. I mean, as you're saying there with, with Rochdale, we, we had a, a torrid time at our pitch uh, a couple of years ago. Um, obviously, we, we were on TV against the likes of Manchester United and so on, and seeing some of those A-list stars um, stepping onto the, the beach, which was Brenton Park at the time, um, was was rather funny. But since then, we've we've invested a couple of million pounds into a, a what what seems to be a very very good and uh, unfloodable pitch. Just um, just talking about Brenton Park, obviously. Uh, I was at the game that you were on, you were referencing before that was three two. Um, that was I think it was it I think it was the first game of that season that we I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, it was the first game back in League One in the twenty nineteen twenty season. So yeah, um, yeah. Just so back to Prenton Park. Um, so the, I've I didn't I've never really walked around the stadium before. It's always the coach who drops us off, bang you in the away end, and then get out. And the, so me and Jimmy managed to have a good walk around it and what have you. And I saw the uh, the statue of it's Johnny King, isn't it? Is that is that right, Johnny? The yeah, he's our, yeah. our most successful manager ever, I think. And in, uh, in years to come, maybe with one more promotion, I think that there could be another statue there of a of another manager. Um, certainly, I'd be putting money towards it. Keith Hill. <laughs> it's just weird, isn't it? Because like, obviously we were talking before about how Rafa possibly somewhat of a, uh, not a dinosaur, but he's sort of of the time of 2004-2005, isn't he? Like we were on about Mourinho and like Matt was saying doesn't want Mourinho and Jimmy said doesn't want Mourinho. Keith Hill is sort of like that in terms of, now he is, if you think about it, in terms of, yeah, he was great when we had him. He was fantastic, some of the best football I've Managed to see and probably Mark as well in terms of two promotions, Wembley uh, facing Tottenham, this Craig Dawson, all sorts. But he's probably in that sort of category, but in the low leagues, really, in, t- in terms of Rafa and Jose, how long can they go on for, I guess, in terms of managing clubs? And probably Hill is the same. He doesn't look like he's doing too great with uh, Scunthorpe at the moment. I know we've just got Luke Matheson on loan from Wolves. Um, but I, I was talking to a few Dale fans the other day and we were saying that we wouldn't be surprised if he leaves Scunthorpe because I, I don't think he'll want relegation on his CV. His ego is too big for that, I think. I love I love him to bits. I mean, obviously, fans, uh, Tramier and whoever might not like him and Barnsley and Bolton don't like him and things like that, but we, we I still love him to bits and what have you. But I, knowing how he is, I can't see him sticking around at Scunthorpe if it gets any worse. I think he'll... he'll He'll do a runner. <laughs> yeah, he'll he'll do a he'll do a Mickey Adams job. Uh, obviously, just before we were relegated from League One, he was quite literally led out of the back door because there were so many fans waiting for him at the the front reception. That, that I think they they drove a car around to the far side of the top and managed to to basically get him out. Um, he, he will definitely leave. He won't. He will not go down with that ship. He'll he'll jump ship. I can't see it. I can't see it. Anyway, Greg, you were saying about the Johnny King statue and all that, and going Sorry, around yeah. earlier, I'm bouncing around a bit too much. Yeah, so it was just great to get. A, a, I've been to a few away games this season, but they've always been a bit like Salford away. It wasn't. It's was a bit of a stadium made out of Lego. It wasn't quite real. No to comment. Me. Yeah, I, I didn't really feel anything for the stadium, or you know what I mean. It was a bit, but obviously, obviously Tramway at the weekend and everything was just a great setup. Like the the. 
the beer tent with the burgers and what have you, the television screens and the scarves, that were fantastic. Me and Jimmy stayed in there and watched a bit of City Chelsea. Um, on on that point with Prenton Park, um, that there is well, it's not strong rumour actually. It's been discussed uh, between the, the owner and the fans at the minute that um, there is a very real possibility of a move away from Prenton Park in the I say not so distant future. Obviously, within the next Gosh. kind of ten years or so. Um, so I think they're kind of weighing up at the minute. There's a lot of kind of infrastructure issues that they're kind of saying to themselves, well, we can either invest in and fix that and do kind of a similar job to maybe what Oldham have done where they've replaced the main stand and so on because there are parts of the ground that just don't need any work but you know certainly the main stand that's been up for, for some years now um, the, the rest of the ground was kind of redone in 91 so you know it, it's coming towards maybe the end of its serviceable time before it needs some considerable work but there is there is rumour of kind of a move away from Prenton Park and maybe a, a as I was saying there on Saturday a similar style uh, new build to, to Rotherham so not that kind of generic new build but not not too far off it so that's kind of been a little bit of a mixed reaction from the fans but in the meantime with the with the fan park that they've they've commissioned a new fan park um which if goes ahead will be outstanding and that that will be enjoyed by the the home and away fans i'm I'm sure of that a bit of a local question deck sorry to the rochdale fans amongst us but where the any plans for um the new ground any ideas where it might be yet because i can't picture where it might even be um, the the, the rumours are uh, that, that there's some for anyone who is is local to the to the Wirral area. There's considerable land behind the the B and Q and so on in Bidston, uh, Bidston Moss, which logistically would make sense. So our training ground, the Solar Campus, is probably a mile, if that, from there. So logistically, it would make sense. They've they've often referenced that if we do look to get a new ground, that it would be a multi-use. Um, so kind of you know for gigs and concerts and so on. So they they're very conscious of getting that close to. Um, obviously motorway links that would literally be three quarters of a mile away from the the, the Mersey Tunnel as well um, but then arguably you know the site that we're on currently is probably only five minutes away from the motorway it's only five minutes away from the, the tunnel so it's that kind of weighing up isn't it do you improve on what you've got or do you start again and if they do start again that's going to be a considerable um, invest- investment from somewhere um, the Indonesian investors that we've currently got um, at the minute they are specialists in terms of hotels and sort of leisure facilities. So you don't know whether before they've you know come in and invested the small amount that they have for the likes of the pitch and, and a small stake in the club, whether that's something that's been, you know, I, I wouldn't put it past Palios that that's been one of the reasons why he's, he's maybe allowed them into the club for their kind of expertise. It could be a, you know, like Bolton where it's got a hotel and so on within within the ground and it, and it being that he's always been very very passionate that a football club basically makes money one day a week why not make it six or seven um, so you know in, in that regard a new build mightn't be a particularly bad idea but going back to you know what Mark was saying before um, it's really really important for us as fans that we know we will have a club because it's all well and good then having a lovely brand spanking new shiny stadium with you know seats that aren't covered in bird shit and you know practice goals that aren't firing 10 shots in your face every three minutes um, you know having the right infrastructure there but if you haven't got a team to field and you know there's no fans there is is there any point so hopefully if you know that the right decision is made on behalf of the club and the fans and that everything's taken into into perspective and in, into consideration Crikey it's, um, that's took me by shot that little bit I didn't think it were in I, th- I thought it were a pretty good stadium to be honest you know it's um 
But I suppose because we we only see it once a season or once every whatever, that's all we get to see a snapshot of that. And obviously, that's something I'm a bit shocked about. Gosh, wow. Um, I'll just have a quick few questions and then we'll uh, we'll try and wrap up this one. Um, obviously, Mike, we've got we've got Bradford at home on Saturday. Um, it's a bit of a somewhat of a a day with Gary Jones in terms of he played for Bradford and Dale, and it's like a three course meal and things like that. Um, last a few seasons ago when we played Bradford, I think they smashed us five nil, and I think that was the same time uh, where Gary Jones had his sort of day as well, if you will. Um, what what can we expect for that game? Do you think Dale and Bradford? It's going to be are we in for another tough test there? Do you think? Uh, well, I'm not going for the three-course meal. I'll be having my wig and kebab at half-time, as always. My, my pie and a muffin will do me. I've not had it yet. Uh, had it yet. <laughs> um, mate, it'll change your life. Bit of brown sauce and you're laughing. Um, <laughs> but I think... I, I genuinely don't know what to expect. I said it earlier. It's it's a game on paper, if you look at the stats, that could be another 3-4-5-0. But Newport should have been that as well. Um, if we turn up, we'll give them a game. I, I think the atmosphere is going to be interesting. They've sold apparently over 2,300 tickets already. Um, so, so Bradford are likely to have more fans there than we are. Um, don't know how much of an impact that'll have on, on the game. I know the Bradford fans will love crowd counting. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think if we can get... If this striker we're looking at getting from Darlington comes in, um, is he going to be match fit to play 90 minutes or is he just going to come and play... 60 minutes and be desperate to make a make a name for himself. That could go one or two ways. Are we getting O'Keefe? If we haven't got O'Keefe, who's going to play that right-back slot? There's a lot of variables for us before we get to 3 o'clock on Saturday. Um, let's go 2-all as a prediction. I'd uh, snap your arm off of that. Just going back to what you were on about with that... Allegedly, we were after someone from Darlington. Um, I don't know if you know that he's serving a two-match ban once if we sign him. <laughs> Brilliant. So he's not going to play against Bradford or Oldham. He'll play against Carlisle at home if if we get him because it's a rumor. It's, I've seen it on Twitter, but there's never any. I don't know what sources are legit and things like that anymore. But um, yeah, that's a very Rochdale thing, isn't it? That um, this so-called decent player can't play. You spoiled my week, Greg. Thanks Sorry. for that. Just go and get one of those wigging kebabs. Uh, wigging, what are they called? Wigging kebab? Wigging kebab, yeah. Yeah, that'll sort you out. Who've Tramway got deck at the weekend? Um, we are away to Crawley. Um, won't be an easy game at all. Uh, they're, they're on a fairly good run of uh, form. Well, the last last two games, a draw and a loss, but before that, three consecutive wins. Um, a tricky place to go. We, we beat them at home 2-1 earlier on in the season. Um, two goals from none other than the 40 year old legend that is Peter Clark um, who's still going stronger an interesting article on the um, Athletic um, about him that's been released this week if, if anyone wants to do a little bit of uh, light bedtime reading I will go with a 1-0 win um, I, I'm pretty confident in terms of our uh, defence um, it would be great for the likes of Elliot Nevitt to maybe come back into the side and get a goal um, or Hemmings to, to get himself off the mark or the likes of Jolly to continue the run that he's on I think it's really important that we get um, as many players involved I think successful sides don't just rely on that kind of one or two goal scorers trying to, trying to spread, spread the, the load across the squad so um, hoping for a 1-0 for a uh, a, a win um, and hopefully start to open up a little bit of a gap 
um, between ourselves and and Sutton. Um, yeah. And just as we're on fixtures at the weekend, I'll bounce to Matt and Jimmy. Uh, Everton have got Aston Villa at the weekend. Um, obviously, a lot has happened this week for Everton in terms of sacking and things like that. What what are you going to? What do you expect from that game? Yeah, I just couldn't hear what Matt said. I just completely broke up. Did anyone else catch that? Or... Oh no, I didn't. I didn't get that. Sorry. I think his That's internet's what... playing up a bit. Fair enough. Um, right, my prediction for the weekend. Oh, I don't know. I'm never optimistic when it comes to Everton, obviously, because why would I be? Ah, uh, oh, you know what? I'll go one-one draw. Um, I think Villa will probably take an early lead. Probably Luca Dean. Just because that's what happens. Former players have come back to Holland a lot this season, namely Josh King. But I do think um, we'll fight back. Ferguson will show a bit of fight on the touchline. I think I can see Richardson or Calvert Lewin or somebody, or even Michael Keane atoning for his error last weekend. And 1 1 draw, you know, nothing horrendous. Um, yeah, you know, that. the moment, I think, given the run Villa are on and the players they've got, I can, I, I'd take a 1 1 draw at the moment, even though it's not what we need. But it's better than getting spanked, so that's something. I feel they're actually on a good on a good run because I know they're, they're sort of sort of down there at the bottom, aren't they? Are they on a good run? Is that is that right? Well, I think they lost to Brentford, but apart from that, and obviously United in the cup, but they were really good. They've been okay, I believe. Um, they picked up a few results here and then. They're certainly better than they were under Dean Smith, anyway. Haven't had a chance to actually check their form, but. Someone's going to tell me I've lost their last six or something stupid. But they're, they're, they seem to be doing all right from, from every time I look at their results. Ah, so I've got it. Uh, two all be United. Uh, United. Oh, that's FA Cup. United won 1 0. Brentford beat them 2 1. Leeds was postponed. And Chelsea beat them 3 1. So they're actually in a bad run of form. <laughs> that's, uh, you know what? It's better running from them wearing, so that's fine. It's always it's it's better on the nose and it's a good run. So it's like Especially he had a good start, didn't he? And then Especially he actually missed a game with fixture. COVID. Yes. Is that what it is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. Is that what it is, Mark? Yeah. Got you. Well he start like I say, he started well under under Gerard, I think. But yeah, um to be fair, they're in better form than we are. So that but that's not saying much because literally everyone's in better form than we are. But yeah. I still think they're a dangerous side. They've got some Players, Danny Ings always scores against us. And Coutinho, who knows? Coutinho's Coutinho, isn't he? He might turn up and be brilliant, might turn up and be terrible. But they, they, I think they have got a dangerous team that can cause a lot of damage if we don't get it right on Saturday. Uh, which could be bolstered by the return of Luis Suarez, if the rumours on Twitter are true. What, Suarez to Villa? Is that to Villa? Are yeah. We- are we playing against Liverpool 2013 or something? Oh. <laughs> Ings, Suarez, Coutinho. Is it going to get Brendan Rodgers back soon? Gerard. Gerard, yeah. Why don't we just get John Flanagan and right back? Where is Suarez? Where, where is Suarez these days? Letica Madrid. Oh, is he still there? For some reason, I, I thought he'd gone. I don't, I, I don't know why, but um, gosh. Uh, we'll just quickly touch on something that Matt wanted to talk about and then we'll we'll end the podcast. But I think Matt's still with us. I think his internet's playing up slightly. But I think, Matt, you're on about the African Cup of Nations. Have you been keep, Has anybody been keeping an eye on that one? Not too much. It's just been hilarious to hear the stories. 
can you all hear me now? Yes, we can hear you now. Yeah, yeah. Great. Yes, we can Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was the the game where the referee ended the game five minutes early, and no one really knows why. Um, just go back. Just a small point. Just go back and look at the highlights. Say highlights in the vert comments. It's. I feel really bad for the the, the Cup of Nations because obviously players go out to it during lot during their own club seasons. And they want to gain this tournament that's got this you know, high amount of respect. They want it on level the European Championships. And then shit just happens in it. And you just sit there and go, yeah, it's not quite the same though, is it, lads? It's not quite of that level that you want it to be when there's clearly referees who are definitely on someone's payroll that isn't the uh, the proper people. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, go read about it. It's It's been hilarious because every day something crops up um, and it's just... Pissy pants funny. Um, Alex Aboebi is absolutely bossing it, which goes to show the level that we're talking about here. I think didn't um, Ghana get eliminated against somebody? Ghana, who were like quite good, got Premier League footballers, lost to I can't think who it was now. Some complete random country who had like a French Comoros, I think, who had a French third division striker up front, and it's just like. Wow, what are these results? They, they are bizarre. Some of the score lines you're getting, they're, they're quite funny. And there's some, yeah, I think I've seen bits of it. There's been all kinds of mad sending offs and just crazy stuff happening. I'd recommend just going back and watching like literally clips of the highlight. The main highlights of the tournament are not the goals, let's put it that way. It's all the other stuff that goes on with it. Yeah, oh, and by the way, Greg, before I forget, uh, my prediction for Saturday's game ambitiously, we're going to win 2 1. I'm going to score two goals. Two goals. Are you sure about that? Own goals? Okay. Nah, yeah, true. Yeah, see, thanks, Dave. Yeah, I suppose yeah, Tar- Didn't say we were going Tara to score. Tara Mings yeah. is always capable of doing something a bit dodgy. He'll have, think, a yeah. worldy, he'll have a worldy of a game now I've said that. This podcast is really going to bite me in the arse. Always does. Lucas Dean and goals, does. calling it. Yeah, he's still, he's still... Now Rafa's gone, he wants us to win, yeah. I think uh, I think Big Dunk's going to put the fear of God into him, isn't he? Big Dunk, he's just going to like get out there, Ost, and just win. And like, although I, I generally want to see Gerard Ferguson have a scrap on the on the sideline. I'd, I'd pay uh, money to see that on a Saturday. You know what? Sod the results. I just I want pay. that to happen. Yeah, but just sod the football off. I want to see yeah, Ferguson deck him. Should we choke slam him? I want to see Ferguson deck him. Should we just get Eddie Hearn involved? And, just and then we'll see Leighton Baines in the background playing Wonder Woman. Leighton Baines out with his massive long. Have you seen Leighton Baines' hair now? By the way. That's a yeah, it looks like he's out there. Have you seen him in the G late? Like he's out there. Arctic Monkeys Arctic or something. Monkeys, yeah. It looks like he's literally in the Arctic Monkeys. That's a podcast into itself. Just Leighton Baines' hair. <laughs> him in the G late? Oh, I'll tell you what. It's something special, mate. It's something special. Can you imagine him, Rudy, and Ferguson? He'd be like, the Alibus family lined up on the fucking side of the pitch. So... I'd uh, just like to thank everybody for listening. Uh, we've got quite a few people that are uh, listening at the moment. Uh, I've, I've managed to look at the stats and things like that, which is I shouldn't be doing really, but I think we've 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 been doing this podcast for nearly a year and we've had 400-odd people listen to it, which is a bit crazy. Uh, three. Thank you for your VPNs, because we've got listeners in like Latvia and Estonia and parts of yeah the African Cup of Nations. Now that's going to get us some listeners in Comoros, so thanks for all your dodgy VPNs that are listening to us, because... We don't believe anyone actually listens to us in the Middle East, really. Or, um, we've got, a few, we've got like a really red area in Belgium, which I was a bit concerned about, but I think that's a VPN switch, isn't it, most likely? <laughs> um, 
Super. Um, I'd just like to thank Declan for coming on, Tranmere fan. We'll try and get you on again, end of the season, or see how Tranmere are at the end, or something like that. We'll definitely get you back on again. Uh, I'd like to think. Yeah, that would be great. Promotion party. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, that might bite us on the arse. That will bite us on the arse. It's Tranmere. We never do it the right way, or anyway. Just like to thank Mark as well for popping on from everything from the Dale side of things. We'll have you back on again. No problem, Mark, if you want to pop on. And if it's not too depressing, hopefully Rochelle have won a few more games by then. <laughs> yeah, cheers for having me on again. Nice no one. problem. And obviously, thanks again to Jimmy and Matt, who pop on obviously once a month as well. From the Everton front, we're hoping that obviously everything can get sorted out on the Everton front and that we can have a bit more... Uh, a manager that is, is is more long-term, I think, is something that might be preferable to Everton that comes with results. Let's hope for that. Indeed. Oh, and Greg, before we go, where can you find us on social media? Well, I've absolutely blitzed it the entire like uh, social media front. So whilst we're off for Christmas, I just absolutely... We're on, obviously, Spotify, Men in Blue podcast. We're on Twitter at Men in Blue, P-O-D-C-1. Facebook, Men in Blue podcast. Instagram, Men in Blue podcast, and everything else. So I just managed just to... Google us. Just Google it. Just Google us. <laughs> just Google it. It's not just do it, Nike, it's just Google us. <laughs> Men in Blue, just Google it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, folks. All the search engines are available. Right, cheers, guys. <laughs> okay. Cheers, thanks, thanks, gents. Bye, everyone. Bye, bye, bye. bye. Cheers, see you later. Podcast Network.